Well, thank you again for coming out. My name is Tony Armour. I am the Dallas Film Commissioner, and I'm just going to pass the microphone and let these gentlemen introduce themselves. My name is uh, Wes Myers. I am the owner and visual effects supervisor for Burning Tractor Productions here in uh, Deep Ellen, Dallas. I'm Joey Waldrop, um, lead visual effects artist and colorist at Charlie Uniform Tango, and excited to be here. Awesome. I guess to start out, you know, basically, you've told us who you are and what your company is, but let's hear a little bit more about, you know, what you actually do, what your services are, what you do individually, and what you do for your company's visual effects. Post production is such a, that's such a, like a broad, overreaching thing. It can, be, it can be many, many different things from the reel that we just saw, which is a, a lot of different things, and that's not even just one or two different things. That's like a million different things in and of itself. So just give us a little bit of a description of, you know, yourself, exactly what you do, what your company does. Sure. So uh, the company is about eight years old, and um, we're a full turnkey production company. So we actually do corporate video, we do commercials, uh, we do creative direction, um, but we specialize primarily in visual effects. And so when it comes to visual effects, we sort of live in the entertainment space. So we're looking at Apple Originals, Amazon Originals, Netflix Originals, um, sort of, uh, what I like to say is we're a smaller company, so we're, we're tier one, but we're at the bottom of the top. So uh, we have a long way to climb, but we're kind of, we've made it sort of that top level. Um, so for visual effects, uh, what I do at the company is uh, one janitor, so <laughs> bathrooms, tra- you know, that, but... Uh, for sure. <laughs> garbage, garbage disposal. Yeah, garbage disposal. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's essentially script to finish. So when clients call us, they can start with, here's our film, this is what we want to make. We will help them break down that script, start creating preliminary budgets on how to, you know, what their visual effects may cost in the very end. Um, We work on creative and technical execution. How are we going to, through production, achieve these effects? How are we going to film them? How are we going to plan for them? What stunts going to do? What's hair and makeup going to do? What's special effects going to do? When do we take over? Um, and then when we get to the production phase and pre-production phase, uh, we're there on all the location scouts. Um, the first day of shooting, we're on set. So we're that technical creative advisor all the way through. And then during filming, we'll actually be doing polls. So it's like, hey, give me that shot. Let's you know work this out. Make sure that we're headed the right direction. We'll work those shots. We'll temp those effects. Um, so me as a VFX supervisor on set, uh, I come from an artist background. I was a compositor. I've done motion graphics. I've done color. I've done editorial. I know 3D. Um, so as a creative, I can offer a lot on the fly um, for those meetings to, you know, one, keep the client comfortable, make sure that we're going the right way. So uh, once the film is done, it goes to editorial. And then uh, when the film is hopefully locked, we, uh, we like to start visual effects when things are locked so that we don't have uh, changes because the process is immense. So everything that exists in production and on set exists in our world. So we have digital makeup artists, digital texture artists, um, digital animators, actors. You know, So every department, essentially, you can copy and paste into the digital world. Um, so once we get to that phase, um, so editorial's done, all the shots are going to get pulled. Um, we work with the director, the creatives, we go through, we iron out every single visual effect that's needed for that. We work out the color workflow, um, and then we sort of get the, the armies going. So it's like, what needs to be rotoscoped? What needs to be match moved? What needs to be painted out? 
Um, what are the big CG sequences? How many CG assets do we need to create? Um, we have to do it in X amount of time. So what does our, um, our amount of people take to get this done? And how do we do it within the budget that we have allotted to do it? And so um, when I come from set and then back into post-production, I help lead that world um, to make sure that all of the many, uh, all, all the different deadlines and all the different tasks are being achieved on time and for the client, uh, how they want them so that in the end, everything goes back to color yep. and the colors are very happy with our work and everything <laughs> matches the cameras and uh, they can deliver the final, final film. So that's kind of the nitty gritty, uh, fast paced <laughs> rundown of, uh, you know, what, what we do at Burning Tractor. Great. <clears throat> All right. Um, so at Charlie Tango, we've been around, this will be our 28th year. Um, we, we really base ourselves in the commercial advertising world. Um, so our, we do, uh, we have production, we have directors we, uh, out, of, out of a bunch of different places for our rosters. Um, but our time is condensed. Uh, just this week, I'm on three different clients, three different jobs. All of them had to ship tonight. Um, <laughs> well, and, thanks for being here. Well, yeah, we were, I was able to get it done. Thanks, thanks to, you know, my team and, and that's one of the things that we, we really try to do is um, we obviously need to um, make sure that the schedule is correct and the time and what we've, what we've been given, um, uh, can, we can get it there. Um, but, you know, as a colorist and visual effects artist, it's, it, it, it's kind of really easy for me because I'm grading and finishing at the same time. Um, so as I'm grading and there's a sky replacement needs, needs to happen, right? I, I just do it inside of flame. So I grade inside of flame, um, just because I've been in flame for so long. And that, flame, explain flame. That's a software. Yeah. For, yeah. So, uh, flames and Autodesk, uh, proprietary software. It's, it's gone through multiple trajectories. You know, it was smoke and, and flame and inferno <laughs> and flare and, there's a theme. I'm sensing and, a theme around. Yeah, the, so, yeah. yeah. So Autodesk <laughs> is out of Montreal, and and that's um, that's where I grew up. Not Montreal, but was on Flame, was on Autodesk, and they've you know they tried to do luster um, for you know once the once film I don't want to say died, but done, when the <laughs> when the uh, digital acquisition happened right in 2011, um, we needed to figure out a way that we can figure out how to grade inside of what we already know, right? Um, so they, Autodesk tried to do Lustre, they've now killed Lustre, but what they did was they've, they've moved Lustre, all of their attributes and everything, uh, all their color grading that they were trying to have a different you know, platform, they've moved it inside of Flame now. So, so for me, being able to do 3D compositing, um, you know, sky replacements, cleanup. Obviously, you, commercial base uh, cleanup is a is a massive part of my job, um, and and you know, it, every day is a different day with it too. Like these three jobs were three different industries in one week, um, so it was a uh, flame is for me the tool 
allows me to do everything I need it to do, everything my client needs. Um, but we also, you know, we have editorial, we have, um, so we, we're a full turnkey post house, production house, um, but we, uh, we really focus on, and I know this is, we focus on the art of commercials, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <clears throat> You don't have to apologize for that. Commercials are our <clears throat> art really too. Are. They really, they really are. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's really how a lot of directors kind of grow up in the industry, and a lot of people grow up in the industry is in the commercial world. Most uh, there's a lot of feature film directors who, when they're not directing a feature, that's what that's, they do. That's how they actually make their living is absolutely. in the commercial world, and then they do the feature because it's what everybody wants. Everybody gets into the business because they want to make movies, and then you have to make a living. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. And then you have to make a living, so then you end up doing the commercial world. Commercial world is really what it boils down to. And I think everybody in DFW area is very familiar with that because that's what drives the market here. That's how everybody mm -hmm. stays employed, basically. So let's talk a little bit about like what a what a visual effects team looks like because you know you do a lot yourself. It sounds like, but on a lot of scale, there's more than one. If you look at the credits of the end of any TV show or film production, you know it could be hundreds of people just. <laughs> In visual effect and different visual effects companies all on the same project again depending on the size and everything like that so just talk about a little bit like what that what that team is like from a from a something smaller like a commercial to you know i saw stranger things mm -hmm. on the real right like what's a team like when you're doing you know that's a vfx heavy show yeah so it, it gets pretty massive pretty quick and a lot is leveraged overseas so every most of the shows that you saw on the reel um we probably had 200 artists all in. So every show we do, we probably minimum, minimally, it's, it's 200 artists, but it's 160 overseas at one company, another 30 overseas at a different company. Um, we generally average 10 domestically um, here, and those are sort of the final assemblers. So the way our company operates is we, we bring the jobs in, we dictate what um, sort of what disciplines need to be done for each shot. And then those things all get sent out um, to the appropriate vendors um, or freelancers. Uh, and then all of the sort of, uh, we consider this VFX prep work. So this is paint, this is roto, this is match move. So paint, that's, uh, there's a guy on the crew standing in the shot, get rid of him. Or we're looking <laughs> at a car and we can see the entire crew in the reflection, get rid of him. Um, Roto, we want to cut people out. Uh, we just did a show. Instead of using blue screen, uh, we did black screen. It's a very, very dark environment show. And so it's a Roto show. We are not keying a single person out. This is all going overseas for rotoscoping, and we are hiring. Can, can you describe a little bit what rotoscoping is? Rotoscoping. If you go in Photoshop and you get the magic wand tool and it cuts someone out, that's great. <laughs> we have to do that every frame. <laughs> Um, and so imagine you have six or seven people that are walking down a path. Uh, we have to have them perfectly cut out every single frame. And it takes a lot and a lot and a lot of you labor. You mean a AI doesn't do that, that for you now? Uh, so AI, uh, <laughs> AI is getting there. Yeah. Uh, that's, so paint and roto are the first two things that AI may be taking over. Um, but currently AI gives us the shapes but it doesn't give us the splines. So the splines let us manipulate the shapes. Right. So when we use these vendors, we get the shapes uh, to, you know, so I have a perfect, say, cutout of you, and I can apply that alpha channel and, and you're cut out. But say they screwed up a little on your arm or, you know, you have halos because you had a bright light back there and we wanted to cheat that in a little bit. I also have the splines to do that. 
AI can't give us splines. Same thing with a deep fake. A deep fake does a perfect face replacement, but it doesn't give me the tracking data for that face. So I can't instantly swap that face 10 times. I need to rerun the algorithm. Um, but so yeah, paint, roto, and then match move uh, is uh, either camera tracking. So anytime we're adding CG to a live action shot. So you saw there was a, a car added to some archival footage uh, there, or there was a building and trees added to, to whatever that is. Um, we get all the camera data for everything that's being filmed on set, and then we create a digital version of that camera. So we're looking at the film back size, we're looking at the resolution, we're looking at the lenses that we use. Um, we're capturing all that data. Um, we then do uh, distortion charts. This is a very, very important part of CG. So we shoot checkerboards so that we can undistort the uh, kind of the fisheye warble that um, lenses give. Because if we don't do that, our CG, when it renders, it's like perfect, you know, a cube is a cube and it'll come out a perfect cube, but we need that cube to bend like the rest of the footage. So we flatten the footage so there's no bend before we do any work, track it, add the CG, and then the CG gets bent back into it. Um, so those three disciplines, we send out. We, if we tried to do that here, we wouldn't be able to get anything done. We wouldn't be competitive. <laughs> um, it would take us years to do 50 shots where we can do 50 to 100 to 200 to 250 shots a week. Wow. Um, and then domestically, the cloud is our, our, our biggest friend and sort of a new wave technology that really started through COVID. So uh, just this week, we're onboarding 10 artists. These artists live in... Minnesota, New York, Los Angeles, Georgia, um, and they all work on virtual workstations. And so we are able to set up our exact same pipeline that we use here on-prem. We can launch that into the cloud um, once it works. So getting it to work, that's, yeah. the, that's the tricky <laughs> part. But we can essentially clone machines and deploy artists instantly. Um, this is very, very powerful. Traditionally, in the past, if I hired someone, I would have to buy their computer. These are not cheap, so it's $7,000 computer. Then I have to put maybe $20,000 worth of software on it. So besides that person's salary, I'm having to spend maybe $20,000, $30,000 just to create this machine. Now I can lease software and for $1.50 an hour have a bad-to-the-bone machine in the cloud. Wow. That's, that's very cool. And deploy immediately. So... Um, this is new for us and, yeah. and our company. And so our goal is to, um, we've already had sort of this overseas large workforce that we're using, um, but we want to expand here domestically. So yeah. we want to become 20 people full-time, 30 people full-time, you know, and so on, uh, and take on a lot more work. So visual effects, like on the entertainment level, it's divvied up between so many vendors. Uh, there's a lot of main players. Um, so, you know, we were on Stranger Things with probably 10 other companies. We were on Emancipation with 10 other companies. We want Emancipation, all of it. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, and, and that's how you're talking about you're, you're tier one, but you're the bottom of tier one. Yeah, so, you, we're, you yeah. Grow. so we're at the bottom, so yeah. we're trying to move to like a, right above the bottom. <laughs> right. And then, Joey, yes. you know, talk a little oh. bit about your sort of team and workflow. And do you outsource much since you're more commercial-based? And these are obviously much shorter kind of projects that you're doing than, say, TV or feature, how does that work for you? Yeah, so over the last 20 some odd years, um, the industry's changed 
a lot. Yeah. You know, it used to be um, where creatives were going to one artist, right? So you had to have your kind of reel against other people in your company's reel, and they would choose you, right? They would choose you over the, the other person. And, and there, was, there was some kind of disconnect for me about 10 years ago in that where I felt like if, if my company was going to be successful in, in visual effects, I needed to build a team. So over the last 10 years, maybe a little more, I finally, um, I have the right people. So I have a, a, a lead 3D artist. Um, his name's Connor Adams. Um, so he's, he's kind of in charge of, he, he, he's my right-hand man on, on match moves, right? Mm -hmm. So inside of Flame, I know we're probably going to get to this, but there are some other tools yeah. that do it better. So what I've been able to do is build my team, mentor my team, get people underneath me that are, thank gosh, way better than I am. <laughs> Um, That's what a boss is supposed to do, hire people that are more talented than you, and you just point them in the right direction. Well, or they help me, yeah. right? So that's the other part of it is my team now, we grow together every day, and I, I'm, I'm actually learning new tools due to what they're showing me because, you know, for me, since I've been doing this for so long, and I'm sorry for saying that, but <laughs> I kind of get, get stuck in the same rut of fixes, right? And, oh, I know I've done this 10 years ago. This is how I'm going to do it again. And, and now when I'm showing the shots to some of my, my team, you know, I have a, a creative director who's, uh, his name's Tony Wan, just one of the most creative people I've ever been around in my life. And they've actually made me better as an artist. Um, so now, now we've built this really great trust within each other that, um, that we, we feel with, with enough time, we can do anything, right? We, we have outsourced, um, we've actually worked with Burning Tractor on an American Airlines um, video. Uh, we, we've, we did all the American Airlines safety videos for 20 some odd years. <laughs> um, and they, they kept- So far, so good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they kept progressively, <laughs> progressively getting, getting better and bigger. And with our team, um, we're scalable, right? We can, we can um, hire out and freelance and get people, but we, 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 we try not to, um, only because we like to challenge ourselves internally and, and also budget, right? Like, I'm not going to go hire more people when I know I can get it done. And it's going to take me another day and a half. Right. Right. If it's going to take me a year, we're not going to do that. Right. We'll figure out another way to be scalable and we'll get the right team behind us. But the, the people that I have now, um, they, they really, they believe that we can pretty much come up with anything and get anything fixed. And again, a lot of times we're not working on movies. We're not working on yeah. episodic. We're not. Um, so commercial base, longer format, four, five, seven minutes. That's a different animal than what, what they're dealing sure, of with. Course. Right. Yeah. So the size, um, we, we can scale. 
Yeah, it's it's the but same. You're doing the same skill set, the same skill set, doing very similar things. But yes. you know, in a year, you're doing multiples of projects, and numbers of say what you know what you guys are doing to burning tractor because they're they're shorter. Yeah, and every one of our artists is working on a different project almost every day. Yeah, right. So that's the other part of of our post house is we have to schedule time with my 3D guy because he may be making a you know, photorealistic owl, you know, <laughs> with, with 17 different feathers and he has to match how their elbows move. And then I need him to come in and, you know, help me, um, get, get a match move on this crazy 3d track. And, and, you know, for advertising, like I said, a lot of the things that I do, um, if, if you've, if you've, if you see it, then I've messed up. Like that's, that's kind of the trick inside of commercial work is I'm the, I'm the guy behind the curtain. No, I'm in the dark room. And, and if you, like I said, if you see it, then I, I, I didn't do a good job. Yeah. Well, I want to um, talk a little bit about, so, you know, industry-wise right now, really for the last several years, uh, something that's moving forward quickly and it's and it's starting to happen a little bit in the DFW area and it'll start to expand more is the use of virtual production and LED volumes basically. So a lot of the things that you have done previously in post-production are now essentially becoming pre-production because yeah. they have to be done in advance. But it still doesn't eliminate the post-production work that has to be done. So now it's like work in pre-production and work in post-production. <clears throat> oh, and you have to do it during production itself because you're, yeah. you're using the wall. So I don't know how much you guys have have gotten to work in the LED volume mm -hmm. world yet? You know, maybe it's come to you later on. It's like, we couldn't get this right. Now you have to fix it because it didn't get shot correctly because people are still trying to figure, to figure this whole right. thing out. Even um, Greg Fraser, who many people know who shot Dune mm -hmm. and Batman, we're working on trying to get him on our podcast, but his schedule is very, oh, wow. is very busy. Um, but I had a conversation with him and he was like, Look, I help develop this stuff, and I don't know how to use it yet. So to hear somebody like that say it, you know, <laughs> makes everybody else feel a little bit better when, yeah. I, yeah. when it comes to when it comes to that kind of thing. So, so that's a very long way to get around to talk a little bit about you know what people are doing now with LED volumes and how that relates to what you guys are doing in the visual effects and post production world. Uh, so when I guess Mandalorian was kind of like the precipice of this, so that happened, and it was like, holy shit! <laughs> uh, I called the bank. I said I need a ten million dollar loan, <laughs> uh, and then I did, didn't do it. Luckily, I had a I had a kid, so I was like, okay, we're not doing that. Um, but no, the volume is is excellent, and it's it's changing it's changing everything. Um, but it has pitfalls, just like every yeah, other yeah. tool. So, but one of the very cool things, so you know it. Unreal Engine is the driver. So the best game engine in the world is now sort of crossing paths into the film industry. So all the softwares are starting to integrate. Um, so we use uh, Houdini as our primary 3D software. Uh, Houdini Engine and Unreal now have a button where you can essentially go between the two. So where Houdini, you know, if you watch a Harry Potter film or like anything that has badass simulation effects, um, that's that's Houdini. And so. Unreal can do simulations, but it can't do them like Houdini can, but now we can build. So it's like, I need a snowy world that's like spooling around and it needs to look awesome, but I want to film on the volume. You can create that in Houdini, dump it over to Unreal, and then that'll work on your, your volume stage. Uh, so very cool. And then say we film all of that, but 
the volume, you can't focus on the screen. Everything always has to be out of focus. Mm -hmm. You have to be at least 10 feet away because you can see the pixel density. So it's, you know, there's very large pixels on a volume. And so you have limitations. You can never see this beautiful background you created in focus, but now we can go from Unreal back to Houdini and render it through a proper visual effects pipeline so that we can have depth of field, we can emulate the cameras, how we have live action visual effects that looks real, even though it's fully CG, we can do that in our pipeline with kind of an Unreal to uh, um, Houdini or, or traditional VFX approach. Um, you have to plan, if you're doing a volume, you have to plan. <laughs> If you don't get there way before, if you don't build your environments way before, if you don't have camera testing, you can fail and spend a lot of money. And then it ends up coming back to visual effects and we are rotoing everybody out and we are <laughs> replacing those backgrounds. Um, I think bright, personally, like bright environments on a volume look great. Uh, but look at this screen here with a little light hitting it. It's never going to be black. A volume is gonna have the same problem. So if you're lighting someone, there will be enough bounce light in that thing where it's going to be gammed up to some degree. And so getting rich blacks, you know, there's, there's certain things with a volume that it's going to, for a trained eye, we'll say that's not real, yeah. you know. And if you're looking for not real, then you're great. But if you are <laughs> looking for real, then that's one of the limitations that you're going to run into. But yeah, pre-production, 100%. Um, you flip. So where visual effects would be done in post, or it's like, we're gonna start filming. Uh, we have a concept artist drew something great. So we're gonna do all these blue screen shots and we're gonna light them from the sun coming from this way, you know? And then later we'll actually build this environment out and we'll be able to concept and really develop this world. Now we have to do all that beforehand. And that stuff takes time. So if you're gonna do a volume shoot, depending on the complexity of your environments or what you wanna achieve, you have to pad, you know, a month two months, three months, uh, if you're doing a feature, you know, six months in advance so that you can, as like you would with an art department, um, production designers, build that environment, test that environment so that when your actors and your directors and, you know, everyone's there for the day, it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's the, it's the pre-concept, right? And, and to get, um, your creatives to sign off on something early when they're still concepting. Yeah. It's, it's a very difficult process. Um, the one thing I've run into when we've shot is color grading on it. Um, because yeah, it looks, it looks great. You don't have to do green screen. You don't have to worry about bloom. You don't have to worry about all these things that, because it's actually really shot, but the led and the cameras aren't, it's not real color, you, you know, it's so, so to be able to grade it, you're actually almost doing multiple passes, um, which we've actually gotten away from because we don't have to do multiple passes anymore the way we had to on film, on windows, on, you know, anything outdoor, anything like that. Um, but it, it feels like you're having to make sure that you grade the background the way you want it. And then you're actually pulling some kind of key still uh, even if it's an image key or, you know, some, something inside, um, just to be able to get your talent the way that they need to look correctly. Yeah. So it, it is, there is still limitations. Um, but again, there were limitations 
with digital, you know, digital media. And now where are we, where are we with, uh, you know, the, the Ari and the Red and all these other Alexas, all these different cameras, that Blackmagic's that are coming out, Sony's, that, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't really believe it was going to work because <laughs> we were working on P2 and we're working on these terrible, but it was just, it was infancy, right? So, so that's the thing I, I've noticed in the industry is you just keep making sure you're getting better at all your little tools and everything that you can get better at. And at some point, you know, the LED is going to get better. And the cameras, for all I know, they may already have it. There, there may be a setting now that, that you can just click it or you're shooting an LED wall and now, now it's going to read that and it's going to be able to, um, you know, give us the ranges, the same depth rate all the way through. Yeah, and so let me ask a little bit of a nerdy question as far uh -oh. as the walls go. Um, and I know just enough to be dangerous and to break something if I had to, but not to actually do it, you okay. know, and to do it right. So a lot of times on the LED walls, these are coming from different manufacturers. They're all manufactured in the same place in China. Shenzhen is like the only place yeah. in the world that basically makes LEDs in general. And so that's where all the volumes come from. But different factories. And so, uh, you know, you have some walls where it's virtual production, but it might not be as quite as good as it needs to be. And there's all the different pieces that go in. It's the LED components themselves and it's the processors and all that other kind of stuff. And so you were talking about how on a dark screen, oh. so when L these LED volumes, you go dark, you could answer the question oh, okay. as well. well yeah. uh, um, that sometimes depending on the shutter speed of the camera that you get the banding yep. issue on the LED volume. Yep. So, and I think it's a very common issue with LED walls because there are so many different digital cameras that you were talking right. about and so many then different types of walls. And then is that something that then in post you guys have to go back and fix that or how difficult, how easy, how hard is that to actually address those banding issues on a wall in, in post-production? I knew that I'd said that was a nerdy, so, that was a nerdy question. Uh, so. Yeah, we're rotoing it out and we are replacing it. Okay. So, you know, it's fixing the edges on the people and uh, yeah, get rid of it. And so you literally have to do as if it was a, you know, if it's banding hard, there's not really, uh, I mean, AI, so this is where AI is going to yeah. come back and AI may fix some crazy thing like this, yeah. but, um, we have some deflickering tools and some different analyzers we could throw on something like that, but never really work. Yeah. Ultimately <laughs> yeah. it's like, why try to fix something that's a disaster when we could easily just put something back, back there that right. works. Yeah. So you're just basically. So. Taking it out anyways and then re and replacing it. Yeah, and, and volume. So like you said, so the way the LED panels are made, each volume has to be from the same batch. Yes, yes. Yeah, because if you, if you bought panels from a company and they delivered to you on Friday and then they built a new batch next Friday and sent that one, the color temperatures are often very different. Same time. And you, can't, you can't put them together. So you have to have all your panels on your wall from the same batch. And so you better have extras then. From, from the, the same, same batch, batch as well, because if anything goes bad, you can't just replace it. Put it in the far bottom corner, maybe. You right. know, uh, but, and they will uh, be obsolete in two years, yeah. just like computers. So yeah. now that volumes are a thing, pixel density, I mean, that's where like you can the, see they'll, they're going to end up being OLEDs. Like they'll end up being TVs. If, if yeah. we continue down this path, like the pixels are going to shrink down and we will focus on them. Yeah. And well, we're like, oh, that's a bad volume. And I, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen people cheat the volumes by essentially taking like a 70 inch OLED TV and just putting it like next to them in a yeah. car in a car window and shooting the OLED TV and just keeping that a, a tight shot but they don't have to have volume but it's like the the indie filmmaker way mm -hmm. of faking 
a volume by using TVs like that and big TVs to be able to do. And it's and almost to a certain extent, you're, you're going to see more rear projection, rear projection type stuff. Like someone will project on this screen and then set up a little car here, and they're doing sort of this you know rear projection yeah. almost instead of volume stuff as well as if you can get the um, you know 4K or whatever else. Yeah, you know we've used we've used the the wall for multiple things as well, not just for backgrounds, right? So, yeah. Um, for print, obviously, they work. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Um, for any automotive that uh, you know, they they need to have something in Patagonia, and then they also need something in Spain, and then they 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 yeah. want a desert, and then those are, that's perfect yeah. for their print. They get your catalog yeah. out, get your stuff ready, and it looks great, and it works really really well. But we've used it for um, emotional pieces where we actually have, we've, we film, um, you know, a testimonial and then we'll turn them around and on the wall, we'll have a uh, hundred years of their, of their company passing by, oh, wow. right? So we, we're not even just using it as, um, as, well, I don't think that's, I don't think it's intended for background. Well, at least it was at first. But there, there's also different creative ways to use it to get an emotional piece, to, to um, surprise someone, right? right? Instead of having a projector and a light in front of your face, you know, you can get a really well-lit, dramatic moment of, of trying to get emotion out of someone. And then when they turn around and there's a 200-foot wall and it's their parents, right? right? Or their story of their life. And then, you know, really great, creative graphics, you know, a, a nice taste that moves you through the piece. Um, you know, it's definitely another tool, right? you know, and to tell our stories. And that's, that's what, if, if you think about it as a tool, then that's what it is. You know, not, it's, it's not, going to save us all from green screen okay <laughs> we're going to have that's green what everybody screen. thinks so. right that's yeah. not the way it works you can't get uh, you know the, the correct sunlight uh when you know you need to put someone in a different shot it, it, it's it's a great tool for what it is now it's only going to yeah. get better um as we all get better right as we all figure out what camera worked better with it um you know the floor you know, we, you still can't show people's feet yeah. <laughs> um, unless that's all, you know, really well set, set designed and you have a great art department that's going to be matching what you're putting. Yeah, you basically have to have a six inch platform at least to match up to the bottom of the wall and then cover it with sand or whatever you're mm -hmm. doing. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll all get there. You know, it's just um, we're not quite there, but... I, you know, I, this industry moved so fast, you know, seven months ago, no one even knew what AI was. <laughs> and now that's every question I get yeah. from every intern and every student that's coming to shadow us is what is your, how are you going to, how are you going to adapt AI into your, into your workflow? And it's like, well, you tell me, <laughs> you know better than I do. Yeah. But we're getting there already. You know, we use AI every day. Um, and that's one of, the, one of the great things is, you know, condensed schedules, condensed budgets. I don't have... 
Yeah, it's not taking jobs away. It's just making your jobs be able to move quicker. Quicker. Yeah. Absolutely. Which means I can get through more jobs a right. day. You know, more, more clients, more creatives, more happy people coming in, smiling when they leave. Yeah. Right? Rather than frustrated because it took me too long. You know, so that's, that's what I use it for. And that's yeah. what we use it for. Well, I could, I could keep going down like a really nerdy path on some of this. So, But I want to like, give the audience a chance to ask some questions here and give everybody some time. So how about right here? Okay, so for those that couldn't hear, she's asking basically about budgeting for low-budget films for visual effects. So um, as a company, when I say that like we play in tier one space, uh, there was an actor strike, a writer strike, sure everyone's familiar with. <laughs> well, guess what? We play in every other space too, yeah. and that's what you know gets us through that world. So for each client and uh, each project, no matter the budget, um, you know we may you may open with this exact question. And so we may come back and be like, well, how much do you have? And then let's reverse engineer to make something work for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, client dependent, uh, things change. Uh, the times are always different. Availability is different. And we essentially deal in art. And so, you know, you can buy a painting for, eh, <laughs> right? So, um, but what we would need, we would look at your script um, we would look at your pre-production planning. You would have an idea of, hey, I, you know, I think I want to do this effect, or I need a mouse to, you know, die, or you know, something that you can't do like in real life. Well, <laughs> well, it was visual effects when we killed the possum. Um, no, so, uh, but that's essentially you would just share with us your creative, and um, we would work with you to find a solution. Um, that works for both parties. And consulting, like when we're just discussing it, there's no fees there. So this is just like, hey, email, let's set up a call. We'll look at your script. We'll break it down. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You're not going to get billed for that. So Well, and it could be one of those things too where it's like, well, you can't get 100 shots, but maybe you can get 10. Right. And what are the most important 10 shots that you need for your project or something like that to actually make the difference? And then everything else, you're just going to have to try and do the best you can and or don't have visual effect shots or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Um, like Wes said, you know, working on something, you know, a low budget film, we, we still want everyone to, to execute, right? Like that's the biggest um, failure of all of us is we're, we're great on uh, ideas and terrible on execution, right? So <laughs> if, if you just do it, and, and you'll, you'll learn even more um, by just doing your first one. And then, and then from there, you'll figure out, okay, well, this didn't work. I needed a visual effect on this. Then your next one, you'll already start thinking about it. And then you'll talk to us about it. And then you'll give us a call. And, you know, if you need supervision or if you just want to talk us through how you're going to do it, that's, that's what we want to do is help everyone get there. And, and you know, we fail all the time. Um, it's just hidden, right? So no one sees it. 
um, what's the what's the one? You know, no one ever wants to see the the sausage being made, right? But but to me, it's the it's the first conversation of doing it. You know, just do it, and then and then do it again, and then you'll just keep learning from it. And then once once you know your first one is great, and second one's great, and third one's great, and then you just keep going on the fourth one. You're like, okay, well now I'm I, I've learned, and I know who to talk to, and, and then, you know, then we can start really digging into, okay, because sometimes you won't, you won't need heavy visual effects, right? A lot of times, it's just that little touch, you know, that little touch, that little cleanup, that little art, that little, even a, you know, a lens flare in a different shot, right? That, that changes the emotion of, of what you're doing in your in your movie, so um, I you know for me it's just a, just do it and call us and we'll <laughs> we'll help you we'll walk you through it and then we'll you know once you've done it and you've sent it to someone or one of your friends or and then send that shot to us or to me and I'll look at it and I'll talk to your friend about it and say hey this is what what worked and this is what didn't so next time they're better for you right so. Um, but like you said, it's, it's, you know, it's the backing into it. It's, you know, with, with scheduling and, and producers, it's, I can get three shots for you done in two weeks. Well, you need it done in four days. You know, I don't know if I, if I could get to that, but I've built a team of also young artists that would love to do that kind yeah, of Yeah, so maybe you'd be able to recommend, say, maybe this isn't right for us, but I know so-and-so that used to intern for us exactly. who started his own new little shingle over here yeah. that might be able to and help you out. those are the people that need to, to grow as well, yeah. right? So they, to, to be able to build the community of artists and directors and writers and everything, you know, I, I always feel it, that the community is the strongest part of, of our industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to piggyback off that, visual effects comes from special effects. Yeah. So visual effects didn't really exist, and it was camera tricks in the beginning. And so that's where we can also um, help counsel. It's like, hey, I want to do these visual effects. It's like, well, you know, if we, uh, like, say, I've, I've made people fly a number of different ways, and I've done it with, like, <laughs> huge stunt teams on blue screens with wires and giant fans, and we've also done, like, with a bucket and a leaf blower. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and yep. the results were like, they look great. similar, right? <laughs> They look uh, great. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, and I think that's a really good point is that sometimes people think, oh, I have to do these as visual effects shots. But sometimes the practical camera is going to work even, mm -hmm. even better. I did a short film many years ago, and we used, um, you know, prop guns and blanks and things like that. And we wanted, you know, the bullet hits on a tree. Well, we used paintball guns with dust balls. Oh. And yeah. so it was something actually hitting the tree and poof, yep. coming off of it. We didn't it. have to go in and visual effects and add that later. And the actors were able to react against that really well. Yep. And it was a practical And paintballs are cheaper. A lot cheaper. <laughs> and if they're a lot more fun on set to have no. your, your effects guy with the paintballs shooting yeah. at, your, uh, at your actors and do, 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 as they're running kind of thing. Yeah. So Yeah, when I'm on set, I actually, I'm like my own devil's advocate because like half the time I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What if we just filmed this? Do this. Right? Yeah. Like, right. Wait, yeah. I don't want to, let's just, let's Excuse leave that me. off do our this. Place. Let's just, you know, we could do this and get it. Yeah, you could almost go back and take a look at what do they do in the, 
30s, 40s, 50s, 60s for some of these effects, because there were still effects. They killed the possum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They threw horses off of cliffs, you know. Um, but, so, but, but a lot of effect shots, like how, just figure out what the old school way was of doing these effects. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a lot more fun to figure that out when you're actually shooting when you're doing low-budget projects, yeah. too. You know, when I, when I started, um, it was more of elements, right? So all my elements were shot. Everything, everything was on film. If we needed to add steam to a coffee cup, right, we would, we would shoot it. And we'd shoot it on black, and we would match move it, and then I would, I would be able to key that and luma key it and drop it in and then track it. Um, and I'm not saying that's better or worse. I'm just saying there are still great ways to shoot your own elements where you figure out, um, you know, what, how to shoot it. Because for me still, elements are the best. I, if, I can, if I can get multiple plates, multiple passes, multiple things shot on film, same camera, same lens, same lighting, same everything, then I'm really just layering things, yeah. right? I'm, I'm just making it the same thing together. Um, so, yeah, for me, elements are still number one, but that's why I have amazing 3D artists. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's one visual effects thing that still bothers me that they somehow cannot get right yet that I have not seen. And it always takes me out of a project whenever I see it is if it's cold somewhere and they breath. do the breath. And I'm like, just don't do the breath at all yeah. because I wouldn't have noticed it. But now that you put in the fake cold breath coming out, yeah. and that's the first thing I breath. see, then I'm like, why the fake cold breath? Don't do it. Just don't, <laughs> just don't even do it at all. Action, ActionVFX.com, they just did a series of breath plates. <laughs> like very photorealistic, shot with red. Yeah, yeah but I just it, it bugs me. Anyways, that, that's neither well, here nor there. Con- you so. can convey the story with color. Right. Right? You know it's cold. Yeah, why do you need the fake Right. <laughs> okay, that's just a pet peeve, so sorry. Uh, you've already talked about Flame and Houdini and Unreal. What are some other software that you use in your courses? Um, so we specialize in live action visual effects. So we're not doing uh, like Pixar movies. We're working in filmed uh, shows. So Nuke is, that's the gem. So Nuke is the primary. Everything runs through Nuke. Um, Nuke Studio uh, is also integral to that process. Uh, and I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll sort of just quickly debrief uh, sort of like an org chart for how we work. So um, the movie's filmed. Uh, generally, the color house or us will do the pulls. So that the, what a pull is, it goes from the raw footage. Um, we work with linear EXRs. So there's a, you know, if it's in red log, it goes to a log to linear conversion EXR sequence. We get all of that footage. We drop that into Nuke Studio and we apply shot codes um, to all of that footage. So originally it'll be like AO39 underscore CO1, you know, and there's like <laughs> 500 of those. So we don't want that. We want it to just be like, you know, movie 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, uh, so that we can organize it. So Nuke Studio builds our entire project and folder structures. Um, and then it'll also build all of our Nuke projects. From the Nuke projects, um, that's where match move can happen. That's where paint work can happen. Uh, that's where Rota can happen. That's where we'll, um, do all the final compositing for everything. But that sort of initial setup from nuke is how, um, backplates for Houdini are made. And so, you know, we work in a specific, like we use uh, it's called ACES color space. Uh, ACES color space is just puts everything in a nice, pretty way to view it. And then our CG software renders in that same space so that when we 
take footage uh, from the camera, we put it into ACES, we make a Houdini backplate, we can eye drop the lights and drop something in there, and then those render into linear space, and it all comes back, and we almost don't have to color correct it. Like, we get perfect CG yeah. out of the gate. Um, so Everybody get that? You're, gonna yeah, go yeah, all, so. you're all going home, you're going to be able to replicate that, no problem, you can do exactly. Uh, so yeah, so Nuke, uh, very important. Houdini, um, the, the render we use is Redshift. Um, Redshift is a GPU render. It's very fast. So for the artist level, it's quick to see results so we can change lighting um, and things work very quickly. Um, if you are working at scale, and the, the great thing now is everything's online. There's tutorials online. There's now indie versions of all this software, but cloud rendering is huge, especially in 3D. So you, know, you could make a 3D project, try to render it on your computer, and one shot may take 24 hours, right? You know, it's five minutes a frame, 10 minutes a frame. Now in the cloud, you can hit render and you get 300, you know, if it's 300 frames, you get one computer per frame and you get your shot back in 10 minutes. Um, and a normal person could afford this. Um, you know, you're getting charged a dollar, maybe a frame. So if you really want it bad and spend 300 bucks, you get it back in 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, so new Houdini, Redshift, uh, Maya, very important. Maya is still the animation king. Um, so all of our character rigging, uh, character animation goes through Maya. Um, uh, the Adobe Suite, it's great. I mean, yep. Premiere still works great. After Effects, super powerful. Great compositing tools. It's much, much cheaper than Nuke. Um, and then you have all the integrations with Photoshop and Illustrator. So it's like if you're an Illustrator person and you need to uh, accept, a, especially in the commercial world, it's like, hey, I designed this in card. It needs to animate. You can take the Illustrator files, those dump into layers in After Effects, animate them. Um, works great. Uh, DaVinci Resolve, 100%. Use that all the time. So that's our sort of main... I've heard a lot of people are actually going away from even editing in Premiere to editing in DaVinci. I know several like long time, long time editors who have just dropped Premiere and are editing in DaVinci now. And DaVinci is free. Yes. For, yeah. Yes, DaVinci is free. So DaVinci is great. So in, in our space uh, with entertainment, it's uh, DaVinci and Avid. So Avid still Yeah, I don't know how of, Avid's still around. It's still around. Like, I'm like, <laughs> My business partner's an oh, Avid guy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just from the standpoint that it's been around for so long and people have forgotten about it almost. But yeah. ALEs are cool. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of metadata, but... Um, yeah, well, even was. but then what happened? What happened to uh, Final Cut? Like fifteen, seven, six, sixteen years ago. Seven is still the yeah. Final Cut. They when they changed from yeah. seven, and then like everybody just abandoned it in droves. Of, like we can't do Final yeah. Cut anymore, and that was the standard for sort of industry editing was Final Cut. And everybody's like, well, I guess we'll use something else now, and and that's where Premiere basically kind of took over after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so again, for our three D, it's it's you know Maya. It's Houdini, it's Nuke. Um, we run all, all my, obviously my flame rooms are flame artists, but we use the Adobe Creative Suite every day. Um, our motion design uses, still uses Cinema 4D a lot um, because Cinema 4D and After Effects. You have a very expensive list of software you're gonna have to buy now. <laughs> I work for a VFX company. Ah. This is more information than I've gotten. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! 
Well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> and this was free. So uh, some of my teams up there, and I learned Cinema 4D this year, and they call it Fisher Price. 3D. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I loved. It. I was like, dude, I can make. I was like, I'll put all y'all under the table. Let's go, you know. But anyways, I love it. I think it's yeah. great. What yeah. I, I'm sure we have. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was gonna keep the questions going from the audience here. If I can see past the the blinding light over here. Okay, so. For when it comes to your shooting for After Effects and everything, from the point of view of a director, what makes your guys' job easier when it comes to the pre-production, the post-production, when you're, you're collaborating on a project together? Well, for me, the biggest thing about a successful VFX, or really any project, is communication early. The earlier I can get involved, even, even when creative is still a part of it, um, it that instantly, you, you can almost smell the project's going to work better. You know, you run into projects when they're just handed to you <laughs> that you, you had no conversation and you, they've done little things, I don't want to say wrong, but challenged that are just going to take you longer, right? And, and I'm talking four-minute conversation with a director or with a creative or with a DP about, hey, this is what we're trying to achieve. How are you going to shoot it? Can we talk about it? You know, just to communicate because we have seen everything. Um, so even, you know, even just the small thing of shooting a phone, you know, everyone's now touching a phone in every commercial, right? <laughs> and they shoot it wrong all the time and you know they, they want natural reflections right but then they put a blue screen on it so you're not going to get any natural reflections and then they shoot it on a blue screen on a blue sky at you know and so <laughs> everything outside isn't going to work and and then they use a woman with two blue rings <laughs> that's touching it right so it's just all these little tiny little elements of just don't do that. You know, shoot it on black. Don't put tracking marks on it because, you know, PF track, uh, Mocha, all those things now, we can just plain, uh, get a planar track no matter what hands are. We can just, you know, G mask their hands out. So just don't put tracking marks on a black screen because a black screen, you can just screen back on top and then you're getting the natural reflections of your environment. And it's, it's very simple and it's, it's a, once a month conversation with directors <laughs> on how to do it. So if you're shooting a phone, like if this is a very common thing to be done all the time, wouldn't it be simpler just to shoot live whatever you want on the phone? They can't change it. Right. Correct. You can't change it. But people, people if you planned enough in advance. If you planned enough in well, advance. <laughs> yes. You just know what you're doing. We're not See? on a volume. Now, <laughs> now you're talking. Um, and if you've ever worked with an ad agency. Uh, you yes, know. Yes. That's all the explanation. If anyone's needed. here from one yeah, of those Yeah, sorry. Oh, no. We love you. Um, uh, Previs. So that's, that's the other thing. So if, you know, obviously there's the technical with, um, you know, if we're shooting green screen, like don't wear green, you know, there's, there's that type of stuff. But um, 
especially in commercial work or, or difficult sequences, before we're going to spend all this money on all this gear to do it for real, uh, we have phones with that can shoot great video now. We didn't have that a right. long time ago. So we can actually previs and edit and assemble the mock spot or the mock cheat or the mock whatever you want. And if you want to work on it, uh, work on it with us, uh, have us put something together. But that way we have an exact shot list, an exact plan of action. And then when we get to set, uh, we're going home at five, you know, <laughs> like we're, we're going to finish early and no overtime and everyone's happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Any questions from this side over here? Somewhere? Yeah, right here. Yeah. Sure. So uh, the compositing software now is excellent. And so say you have a, um, like you said, a black screen looks great. That's going to be the best bang for your buck all the time. Um, we have a numerous uh, different types of keyers. So like, you know, if you look at my hand on top of my pants, that's obviously going to key, you know, um, for me, for some people it may not. But um, it's, it just depends on what you're working with, the environment. Um, but motion blur, uh, say it's even on a blue screen, and you get those really nasty purple edges and all that. We have spill killing technology. Um, if it's super nasty and we can't get it, then we'll literally rotor the edge and make it the color that it needs to be. Um, and we'll take care of it. But the shutter speed of the camera, shutter speed. we emulate in post. Yep. And so we'll look at your shutter speed. And so if it's an action thing and you want a faster shutter and everything's really sharp, when we're doing VFX, we are very consciously looking at that and making sure that our effects have that same motion blur applied to them. So if you know it's in the phone, we're making sure that that matches. Because if it doesn't, it's like, oh, that's not real. It's gone. Yeah. Is it, is yeah. it better to shoot at a, a higher, a sharper shutter angle against green screen and then a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, get your shutter speed super, you know, really crisp. So when you're getting there, you're not getting any of the blur. And then, like Wes said, we can add and we can match the, the motion blur, but we can't take it away, right? So we can always add it, but we can't take it away. So once it's already there, then it's almost like, okay, well, let's take his arm off, literally. <laughs> and go put another arm back on and track his motion and then and then get really good edges and then add our own motion blur again. So it, it's just another step of we can fix it, but that means you're, you know, you're paying for us to do something there rather than, you know, more beauty passes, you know, more things that are going to make your movie or commercial better. We're spending our time on motion blur when all you had to do is, you know, shoot, shoot it with a, a higher, a billion percent. <laughs> yeah. If you shoot it, if you shoot it 60, 90, 120, we can always match the, absolutely. That's, that's exactly it. Great. More questions. What time we got? How long have we just been chatting? We're good. A couple more minutes. We're good. Okay. Right here. And then as far as like, uh, I know we touched on the phone again, like a hot point or a button kind of topic. Um, are there any 
any other things that you're like, ah, oh, this one came in again and now we're doing this again for like the 15th time today. Like <laughs> very common things you get from footage uh, that, you, that you just are kind of uh, pain points or um, not frustration. What's the word? Pet peeves. There we go. Yeah. Any, any kind of pet peeves that are common? No, because we have to make a living. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there are the pitfalls of production, and production is working at a very fast pace, right. and it spends a lot of money, and it's a high-octane environment. So people are going to make mistakes. Um, like, uh, this gentleman here is wearing glasses, and I see the reflection of this screen Big in time. his glasses, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, we run into, you know, we run into things. And so there's... You know, whenever, yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to do a cool, you know, a cool guy in sunglasses scene. It's like, well, we're going to paint that out because the camera's going to be in it in every shot. It's unavoidable. And so, you know, but that's part of the service that we provide. So does it get annoying? Yes. As a business owner? No. No. <laughs> so. Yeah. It keeps you employed. Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't. Absolutely. You know, um, today I was just working on a, on a um, automobile commercial and, Obviously, cameras are in every reflection, right? It's just part of it. Um, so you just learn how to how to get rid of them. You know, it's it, it. You know, by the project that's coming in, what you're going to be dealing with, right? A food shoot. You know how much time you're going to be spend working on food. That that's their product, um, and, and that's our job, right? And production's job is to get them out of production and then into us. So they're moving so fast. But yeah, they're always, you know, out of focus shoulders that are in a, you know, in a blue screen. It's like, oh, why is he out of focus? <laughs> Just take a step one, to the left one time and he's out of the blue screen. But they don't have to think about that. You know, that's what we think about. So it's just, a, it's an everyday challenge of every project, just knowing what's coming in and already being prepared on, I've done this for 25 years, I know what a car shoot's gonna look like, and I know <laughs> I've gotta make all the windows black, I've gotta make sure there's no drivers, I've gotta make sure there's no reflections, I've got, you know. So, it, yeah, it, it's, just, uh, it's just part of what we do. I'll say another thing on that is, um, depending on the types of shows or, or what, we're, what we're doing, our ultimate goal is not to stifle your creativity. For sure. So if you want to do something that kind of sucks for us, but <laughs> is what you really, really want, do it. Yeah. Our life can suck. It's fine. <laughs> um, if we can't service the creatives that hire us, then we shouldn't be doing, doing what we're work. doing. I think that's a, that's a great point. More questions? Right here. Right, right here. So obviously you guys have been doing it for a while. So... You don't have to mention the company names, but what's like the most fun project that you guys worked on? I was like, ah, oh, I can do this for free. This is fun. Most, the most fun project. The one we're doing right now. <laughs> 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 um, uh, but in all honesty, it is the one we're doing right now. I can't talk about it too much, but we're doing an action film with aliens and outer space stuff, and it is just like very 80s action <laughs> film, and it's super cool, and I'm excited for when it comes out in a little bit. But um, it's sort of one of those uh, dream scenarios where we got put into a creative position within the film as well, so we're also producing partners in it. That's awesome. Um, it's super fun. Oh, wow, um, another one just like, you saw Stranger Things. That was Fucking cool. That was like, you know, 
Did we get credit? No, we didn't. We were hired by a VFX company, hired by a VFX company that hired us and you know, we're never <laughs> talked about, but it came through the studio and uh, that was, you know, as far as like being something iconic, uh, I was like, wow, we made it uh, and uh, let's keep going, <laughs> you know, but very, very cool. Um, I, I built my career really early on Chick-fil-A. I did every Chick-fil-A commercial for 12 years that you've seen. Every time you saw the cows, <laughs> I was in L.A. in the shoots, uh, in the shot, because, you know, making them move um, with, <laughs> yeah, with monofilament on their ears, and I had to get rid of all that, and we had to hobble them every time because, you know, we, they, couldn't, they couldn't hurt any of the actors. And then, um, you know, making their... Heine's move to dance, you know, like, I, it, every, time, every time you saw those cows, I did it uh, for 12 years. So all the peach bowl, everything. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a huge challenge, but, the, but for me, it was, it was more about the people. The people that I got to work with were wonderful. Um, my team is always, for me, uh, the best around. Um, and you know, for, you know, for me, the projects, uh, that come in are all fun because I get to see crazy talented people every day come up with a solution, right? Like we don't believe in problems. Um, we believe in challenges and we believe in solutions and watching, you know, people that have interned at Tango, you know, well, I interned at my company. So 24 years ago, I was the intern. I was the male guy. Um, I was the one that was, uh, you know, sending everything out. And then, I, you know, with, with great people around me, I grew. But that's, to me, the, the most inspiring thing is every project coming in and watching my team tirelessly go, all right, let's do it, you know, and figure out a way. Um, but though, that's, that's the most inspiring thing to me. So, and I know that's probably super corny, but every project is awesome. And it really is because they all have different challenges. Um, and, and watching people's careers and watching growth over the years of watching, watching them get better and better and better. And then now they're teaching me Nuke, right? Because Nuke is super powerful. So, you know, I, I've been flamed for 24 years and now... Just last year, I started working in Nuke Studio because I'm like, oh my gosh, the tools inside of this are really great. Um, but to, I, I'm rambling. That's all right. But, so we'll do two more. We'll do two more questions and wrap it up. So two more questions. Any anyone? Okay, right here. Uh, do you guys do any type of sound design work as well? Sound design. Yeah. So. Inside of, inside of Tango, we have all of our editors are musicians. So they, they do all their sound design inside of their edits, either Premiere or Avid. And then we have, um, we have three engineers, and one of them is a composer. So once, once our edit gets approved in the sound design, inside of our you know, AAF, so I don't even remember what we bring them now, but <laughs> the audio guys will... will do all the sound design, they'll do Foley, they'll do uh, any kind of um, sound that, that needs to happen. And like I said, we also have 
composers on, or a composer, and uh, he comes up with really great original music. And so yeah, we, we, try, to, we try to give them everything, you know? To, we, we don't want them to go anywhere else, right? So if we can give them everything, and still have lunch and breakfast and dinner with us and then a cocktail at six o'clock and they've gone through our editorial, motion design, me, color, our 3D team and our audio, like that's such a win and they're just gonna wanna be with us because they know they can trust us. So yes, we do sound design. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a band, we could be so nerdy. Um, we work in absolute silence. Uh, we, so, so yes, we do some sound design, but uh, visual, visual effects at the, what, with what we're working with, it's generally image sequences. And so they'll tell us like on frame 35, there's a sound hit, make us feel it, you know, and we'll, we'll do what we need to do. But uh, we're actually, we're doing a film right now and it, it has a bunch of audio driven effects. And so we have a speaker light that like needs yeah. to animate every time somebody mm. speaks and it speaks like 200 times. Um, and so we have to export that audio out and then in Nuke it has a tool called the audio read node. And what it does, it looks at the waveform and it creates an animation spline mm. based off it. Can we hear it? Nope but we see it doing the thing and then we use that to drive our animation. So on the like shot to shot to shot level, like in, in Nuke doesn't have audio playback at all. So it's very quiet, it's just. Yeah, so you can listen to whatever you want while you're, yeah, yeah. He headphones. Some people are uh -huh. a little louder than others, but uh, yeah. All right, uh, was that two questions or one question? One, one, okay, last one right here. If you could go back in time. So the question was, if you can go back in time and tell yourself one thing before you started, what would it be? Python. <laughs> That's a software. It's not a, not an actual snake. It, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a yeah. It's not a snake. Uh, I I. So my job now is the company owner. It's, I was an artist and I'm, I'm an artist. I, I'm a musician, I'm an artist. That's what I wanna do. I don't wanna install software. I don't wanna write scripts. I don't wanna build clouds. You know what I do right now? I install software, I build clouds, I write scripts. Um, and if I knew Python, I could do that much, 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 much better. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a businessman, but the technical behind our tools as creatives, the more we read the manual and the more we can learn about the tools that we're using, it's going to enlighten your creativity. And so I wish, you know, 10 years ago, I had realized that fact like I do now and the uh, power and the potential, especially in the youth, like if they dive into the, the tech behind just, you know, the creation, just whoo, everything. Yeah. So know, know the code, not just how to use the software. Yeah. Um, mine would be don't take it personally. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I feel every time I, I color grade, I feel like I'm, especially with a new client, I feel like I'm on a blind date, right? Like I'm gonna, they're, they're walking in my room and I'm showing them what I think it should look like right? And they're going to either love it or hate it. 
But guess what? That's their job, right? And don't take it personally. And, and um, you can learn from that too, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you can learn what creatives, what job you can push, and what job you can't, right? Like if you're doing you know, a big pharma job, you can't push it, right? You can't, you can't get a look. You can't go heavy highlights. You can't go dramatic. You can't, right? So you kind of, and if you show it to them, that's, that's your fault, <laughs> right? So just don't take it personally, you know, just, and, and just keep, keep putting yourself out on the projects that you feel you can push and push it. And, you know, I, I really learned how to push it on music videos. So I did a lot of music videos early, um, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a color space that I had to match because it's broadcast. My reds didn't have to be 90%. My yellows didn't have to be 87%, right? So all these things didn't have to, have to work. So all my buddies that were in bands and were shooting, they're shooting all over, I, that's where I learned how to push the envelope and, and then know how far I can push it, especially when it's business, right? So you, you always just, I, I always have to pull it back a little uh, when, I, when I'm with creatives. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, good final question. Well, thank you, everybody, for, uh, for coming out tonight. Thank the two of you for, uh, for being here as well. <laughs> And so uh, next Wednesday, we have our last workshop of this series. So we've got uh, Alex Vanover, who is the drone pilot that did all of the drone work for Michael Bay's ambulance. Mm -hmm. And he's from Dallas um, and is a world champion drone racer, does the FPV drones, basically. And so it's not your your grandfather's drone workshop. It's a much, (laughs) much different type of drone flying that he does. And we actually hired him to shoot some stuff for the film commission that we have on our YouTube channel just some cool stuff oh, cool. downtown and he literally flies his drone at like a hundred miles an hour and he'll tell some great stories about working with Michael Bay and some of the shots oh, that they got with him. So come out next week for that workshop. It'll be great. And then we'll do another round of these in March. And I think the March ones that we're going to do are going to be all acting focused. We're going to do a stunt workshop and then a talent agent and a casting director workshop all cool. in March. So giving you guys a little bit of something different all the time. So thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate it.